0: This is The Universe, Episode 7, Quantum Pop, on Sunday, April 15th, 2012, and now, like a bossasaur. Hey, how's it going?
1: Hey, pretty good. How about you? I'm oh,
0: pretty well. I, I, I see that you came back from the middle of nowhere and have returned to podcasting.
1: Yeah, I uh, got, got lost, kidnapped, etc. Adventures, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I do know, unfortunately. I know all too well. What have you been doing for the past few weeks?
1: Uh, well, we did the last show just after I got back from Hawaii, I think. Yeah. So, uh, the weekend after that, I was in New York, um, and, uh, oh, just kidding. The weekend after that, I was uh, too tired, I think, for the show. Yeah, (laughs) I was gonna
0: gonna say asleep, but yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, slash asleep. Yeah. Um, and then I was in New York. Mm Mm-hmm. And then... uh, Well, that was just last weekend, wasn't it? No, I
0: I I don't know. But that sounds right.
1: Something Something like
0: that. that. Yeah. And then, of course, yesterday we did um, an adventure, but then we also did a show, and you were a guest on that show. Yes, I was. Yeah, that was good. Mm -hmm. How is uh, school these days? What are you doing in astrophysics?
1: Uh, You know, astrophysics stuff. I don't know. School is tiring me out. School is
0: becoming approachingly irrelevant because I believe there's only a few days left.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, I've tried not to think about it too much on weekends. 26 days! (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I I don't know. My classes are less interesting than they were at the beginning of the semester. Yeah.
0: What was that other class you were in? Uh, You were in two physics classes. Quantum Quantum. mechanics? Okay. Quantum physics. Hmm. Yeah, I'm in um, the programming class you were in last semester, and that would be 2011, computer science, It's essentially discrete mathematics, and we have a midterm on Monday about some stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Induction proofs, counting. Uh, We skipped matrices because that would have been too logical to actually do. Um, I think there's some relationship stuff on it, and um, that's pretty much it. But that's still a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh haven't that that's all I really have been doing. Uh, well, I I guess I've have been working on my math project that you um kind of helped with, but apparently the professor um didn't do it your way. He did it his way.
1: That's too bad.
0: Yeah. So no 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 discrete exact answer, just a bunch of cheating with uh, partial fractions.
1: Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Wolfram knows how to do it, and you look on Wolfram so you know how to do it.
0: Right, well, and you told it's me, up. of course. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was an interesting problem because, you know, it was given to us as a logistic growth equation, but it wasn't, when you um, look on the Wikipedia at that particular integration uh, relationship, you know, you don't see any kind of logistic-like equation at all. But, of course, if you know anything about a tangent curve, it looks exactly like a logistic growth equation. Yes. Yep. So what do you know about the news this week? Or in just in the past month in general, since, you know, it's been a few days.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, news, this is sort of news. But, uh, astronomers have, uh, as in just like some specific group of people not like in general this isn't like a consensus it's actually under debate but um there's an article titled astronomers find evidence for massive star-killing sandstorms so you read that and you think oh there's sandstorms that kill stars but really it's just uh stars that have tiny particles in them which are expelled by solar wind and then are retained or sort of come back towards the star and extinguish it.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Normally you don't think that happens. So it's not even like um, Uh, a supernova or anything? It's just dust particles that are near the star?
1: Yeah, that was the original idea. And then people said, oh, no, that wouldn't happen because the particles would just get melted and just turn back into star material. Right. And then recently people, a new study says that if the dust particles were slightly bigger, they would reflect the light back towards the star, which would further heat the core and push the, the particles out even faster. There'd be more like radiation energy behind them. That's
0: so ridiculous.
1: Um, and so there would be giant sandstorms sort of radiating out from stars.
0: Sounds like a uh, very contrived story. You know, the comments down below are even more interesting. There's just yeah. three, three videos of some stuff. I don't know what's going down the, on, down there, but uh, it's pretty weird.
1: That's generally the case on this website. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of space news, which most of this is, but the next article in the space news is uh, sort of relevant to where I was over spring break, which is Hawaii. Hmm. The Peck Observatory, which is uh, one of, uh, I think, 15 on Mauna Kea, is... Uh, being outfitted with a new device called the moss fire
0: and why is hawaii a good place for these things
1: well because uh, it has uh, really like the summit of Mauna Kea has the most the best weather or best atmospheric conditions rather for viewing the sky because uh, it has a high elevation so there's not as much atmosphere atmospheric interference mm-hmm. it has uh, a high enough elevation that and in such a climate that there's not much weather interference, and uh, there's little to no light pollution because it's on the, line, island. Right. In the middle of the ocean. Yeah. And on top of a like, 15,000 foot summit, something, mm-hmm. something like that, 30,000. Um, yeah. So, so
0: MOSFIRE, what does that stand for?
1: The Multi-Object Spectrometer for Infrared Exploration... Great. And so what this does is it, it detects light. Well, it's just another piece of a telescope, but this is for infrared instead of visible light spectrum. Um, and this is going to be used to study the light from some of the earliest moments after the Big Bang. Uh, it can see back that far part because it's... In the infrared spectrum, and because of the expansion of the universe, that light that was visible then has been redshifted into the mm-hmm. infrared. Yep. Um, and so that's why that is important.
0: It's interesting. So, it is. what does the multi-object in the name do for it?
1: The multi-object spectrometer. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that it means it's capable of surveying more than one object which it is, up to 46 objects at a time.
0: And it apparently can switch targets very quickly. Yes. That's that's pretty handy. Because I know when I adjust my telescope, it takes years. Hmm. So I I hear you were reading a book recently.
1: Yeah, so, uh, slash not actually reading it, but just have, I've received it in the mail. I haven't started reading it. That's the
0: same thing by all standards.
1: Um, But yeah, so this is a book by Neil deGrasse Tyson, who we have mentioned on the show before, Mm -hmm. called Space Chronicles, Facing the Ultimate Frontier. And I have it right here in front of me. That's good. Got a nice picture of Neil on the back. Uh, And so this is his most recent book. He has published a couple other ones, um, one of which is the Pluto Chronicles. Of course it is. And another one is uh, Death by Black Hole and Other Cosmic Quandaries, I think. Hmm. Uh so yeah, Space Chronicles is sort of a deconstruction of the current climate for space exploration and somewhat science education in the United States. Um, looking at it from a political perspective, from technological perspective, from, and like looking at the state of NASA, this current sort of mood in the country towards, uh, Space exploration and scientific advancement, stuff like that. Um, and apparently, it is very good. I've not read it, like I said, but I hopefully soon when I stop being so lazy. Did you order if, from Amazon? I did. That's good. Um, yeah. So if anybody is looking for a good book, uh, a bunch of other people recommend this one, and so I will recommend it as well.
0: About but, how long is it?
1: Uh, it's fairly. It's like three hundred and twenty years. It's or reasonable. So Probably should sure
0: get through that in a weekend.
1: And it's not like really small type or anything. It's got uh whatever, three quarter inch margins, so it's not like super dense. And it's, it's only physical- nine ninety
0: nine on Kindle and seventeen seventy nine on the hardcover. From Amazon. Yeah. I'll put um, a link to that in the show notes for everybody.
1: Yeah. And it covers just a ton of things and apparently it's very good and i would imagine it is because it's written by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, there Nathan. you go. Um
0: so there's yeah. there's three parts in the book um according to the amazon and so essentially the first part deals with how uh humans have this desire to explore space and what those reasons are. The second play, the second part is how um we have come overcome barriers to space entry and you know the science that goes along with it. And the third part apparently is why not. So these are mostly um, things that on on why we haven't explored space more, and that why we should more. So that that yeah. that's ki- that kind of goes um, hand in hand with um, the last podcast we did, which is how much would you pay for the universe? And that was part of our taxation problem that we don't pay enough taxes towards mm-hmm. NASA development.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, the penny on dollar thing. Yeah. Um, like, what that, is it,
0: four-tenths of a penny? Yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: Um, oh, sorry. The, his other book is uh, The Pluto Files, not The Pluto Chronicles. This is Space Chronicles, Pluto Files, Death by Black Hole. Mm.
0: You can really? find all of those links on the Amazon on the same page because Amazon is smart enough to realize who the author of all of them is.
1: <laughs> Very smart. Um, oh, on the book note, I actually just bought another book from Amazon – uh called well something like the history of the fbi or something
0: really uh, i think it, you're on a list now
1: it <laughs> maybe um and i guess it focuses on the organization's sort of birth and then its direction under hoover and is it entitled
0: enemies a history of the fbi or yes
1: okay yes that is it okay by Tim mm-hmm.
0: what a great name
1: I think, it, yeah, he was on The Daily Show. Um, they did a sort of an overview of the book. It's a really That's interesting good. interview, so I decided to get it. But back to Space News. Um, I'll put a link
0: to that in the show notes, too. Well, speaking of books, actually, I've... Um, this weekend, I downloaded an audiobook, and it's called Spin. And it's um, it's pretty good. I, I bought it from Audible, which, of course, is Amazon, actually. And so it's about, um, it's about you know, planet Earth, and, you know, it's, everything's normal, and then one day, um, all of the stars essentially just disappear. So the sun's still there, and the tides still work, but you can't see the moon, you can't see the stars. But for some reason, you can see the sun. Well, eventually it's revealed through some scientific you know, stuff that the sun is, isn't actually there. It's actually fake, and there's some insane stuff going on on the outside of the planet where the stars have disappeared. And it's a pretty good book, actually, so far. I'm about... 4 hours in, but I've been listening at double speed, so I don't know what that really means. 8. Some Eight. some that must be what it means. I don't know. <laughs> um so it's it's a good book. It's um pretty cheap actually on Amazon. It's only 7.99 and even the paperback edition is 79 7.99. So that's a good deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read the uh, synopsis on Wikipedia. It sounds interesting.
0: And the best part is it's part of a series. So when you finish it, you can go to the next one. <laughs> there's two other books in the series i think and that, that that that's really what's important to me because when i finish a good book i want to read the next one
1: yeah oh speaking of uh more book sci-fi book mentions uh if anybody wants a science fiction book like spin if they read if you read spin in the series and you want more i recommend checking out embassy town it's a very interesting book by Gina miaville i don't know how to say that sounds pretty close yeah um Anyways, yeah. So, what is books, that one about? Okay. Uh, it's about about a outpost of human civilization. This is science fiction set in the future, um, outpost of human civilization, where we have met a race of aliens that have a fundamentally different s- form of communication. Their speech is uh, not. At all the same as ours, it's it's sort of two voices hmm, that's very interesting at once, and there's a I don't know there's a lot of like sort of linguistic elements underlying the plot, and it's also just some good hard sci-fi in there too. That sounds good. Uh, I'll put but, that
0: in my Audible um, basket.
1: Yeah, very interesting,
0: and it's uh, uh, and it and it's nice and long, twelve hours. That's good. So, So, back to your science uh, news.
1: We have uh, seen the moon's dark side now. Really? Mm. How did we manage that? Well, I mean, this isn't, like, technically... It's not the first time we've seen the moon's dark side. But since the moon has a weird uh, axis of spin compared to ours, uh, the the polar regions receive, like, almost no sunlight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... There are weird parts of the moon that we haven't really seen before. And so astronomers set up a, or they, I guess they used a lunar reconnaissance orbiter, um, which was, I think was also mapping the uh, altitude of the moon's surface. Um, and they used it to create an illumination map, which you can find in the show notes. Very interesting looking image. Uh, and the way that they created it is also very interesting. Um, just using, uh, sort of averaging out the, uh, the, over a year, whether a pixel was illuminated or not.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: to differentiate between sunlight and darkness, they looked at a piece of ground, which like corresponded to a pixel in the image. And if it was sunlight, it would be set to one. If it was dark, it would be set to zero and then that would be averaged over the six months or whatever that they were observing it, creating this map. Very weird image to look at. So
0: have you ever seen, like, um, I'm sure you've seen it, like, have you ever seen, uh, like, dust under a microscope? Like, um, yes. volcanic ash dust? It looks very similar to what, like, volcanic ash dust would look under a microscope. And to yeah.
1: think that's what the moon looks like. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this is a very weird picture of the moon right. because it doesn't actually look like that. No. But that's, if you projected the moon onto a flat disk and then textured it, it would look something like that. hmm. But it's also very disorienting because the light is sort of coming from all directions at once right. towards the pole. Because, mm-hmm. if, so the, this is looking down onto one of the poles. And so the sun is essentially orbiting around this. Um, I mean, not like literally, but the light is coming from the sides. And so there's a weird hole, which is a crater, that is illuminated on all sides, but the center is black, which is weird. Like, that wouldn't happen normally, just in a regular picture. So it's, it's interesting to see that, what that averaging out over the six months does to the image.
0: Well, you know what I was going to say? I was going to say it, it, was, it must have been taken with Instagram. <clears throat>
1: Uh, duck- <laughs> 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 yeah Anyways. um more news in our local solar system we have uh, we as in the science community slash not we them they have uh come up with uh some new theories. Uh, about the history of water on Mars. Really? So, uh, there's a... With all the, like, Mars exploration, should we get people on Mars, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of discussion about when Mars had water, if it had water, what form that water was in. Um, right now, it has polar ice caps, um, but people believe that in the past, when the planet the planet was warmer, and so it would have had large oceans... Um, and the topography support that. Uh, if you look at an altitude map, you can see like oceanic plains looking things. Um, but recent, some people recently have claimed that Mars was never warm enough to have large oceans. Warm enough. So the debate now is less certain. There's more of a debate now that this has been published and there was before before it was fairly well accepted that mars had had liquid oceans at some point. So what would,
0: what would have made mars warm enough? Would it be, would it have been the atmosphere or would it have been a sun related thing?
1: Uh well both a thicker atmosphere would allow it to trap more heat from the sun. Okay. Yeah. Uh and so there's a, apparently there's a planetary conference next month.
0: Is that when all the planets Earth. get together?
1: <laughs> uh I think that's where the planetary scientists get together. Ah.
0: So it should uh, be a planetary and, scientist convention.
1: Yes. Conference. conference whatever. Planetary Scientist Conference. There, there you, you go. go. Um and they will discuss and they will discuss the early climate of Mars. Um, let's see. Our next space news is about the government. Oh so my FBI book, slightly relevant. Um, Slightly. The so apparently there are communities of amateur astronomers who track satellites, and obviously one of the 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 largest slash the group entity that has the most satellites in space is the United States government, mm-hmm. and a lot of those satellites are supposed to be like sort of spy satellites, um, but the Amateur satellite tracking community has sort of uh, um, gotten rid of this, uh, sort of decloaked these satellites by tracking them. So, spy satellites that are supposed to be invisible, or at least you would would be more effective to spy on someone if they don't know you're watching, right? Um, are being tracked and their orbits are sort of being plotted and stuff. Um, so... Matt was telling me.
0: Matt was telling me that last uh, last week, he, you know, it was nice out last week, and he was telling me that he could actually see a satellite going by in you know the sky. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think this video has any audio, so there's no real point.
1: in Playing it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's but, it's like, essentially I just, just a
0: video of some white dots moving around on a screen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Those are the satellites, by the way.
1: Yeah. The yeah. So the link is in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. That is already somewhere else in the show notes. Um, we've got the awesome video of, uh, which is timely, because this past Thursday was uh, Yuri's Night. Really? Which we happened to celebrate, actually, on Friday, uh, through a lake adventure. Um yes. Sadly, there were clouds, so we couldn't see the stars, but still fun so So,
0: what is yuri's night what does that celebrate
1: yuri's night is the anniversary of uh, yuri gagarin's uh, yuri alexa alexaievich gagarin i think his full name something like Um, that his his flight his orbit in the
0: vostok one
1: right that was the the rocket and the vostok k i think was the booster something, and then the Soyuz uh, was the thing that he... No.
0: I like this part in the article. At 6.07 a.m., Gagarin heard Korolev's shouting on the radio, preliminary stage, intermediate main, liftoff, we wish you a good flight, everything is all right. And I like how uh, io9 here wrote that in English, because they... Totally did not write that in English.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> all I mean, but it's an English flight, not Russian.
0: Well, I know, but it's funny.
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah, the Vostok 1 was his ship. The Vostok K was the rocket. And the actual capsule was... Uh... Unnamed. No, it's... Why do I not know... Okay, hold on. The Soyuz, right?
0: Mm, yeah, that sounds...
1: Better well, I don't know or maybe it was the Vostok, yeah, so oh, I guess the Soyuz was the one that failed before him, and people died, and then he went up in the Vostok capsule
0: that explains why nobody ever talks about Soyuz
1: um well, yeah, so anyways, uh anniversary was thursday fifty first I think um and uh, there is an excellent video and sort of the uh commemorative article, I guess. On Io9, um, well written, I would say, and the video is fun to watch. Um, and so this is a well, this is important because this is the first man in space. I don't know if I said that. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, okay. Well, I said it twice now, and uh, this is a big deal. So, uh, yeah. That's Russian,
0: by the way. And there it goes. off. This, um, you know, it's impressive to see video from back then because they actually had pretty good cameras. But watching this video, it reminds me of a little little application I have on my phone called Instagram.
1: <sighs>
0: <laughs> I'm never gonna let that go.
1: Moving on, mm-hmm. uh, there were some auroras spotted on Uranus recently, which is a big deal because there have never been any spotted before.
0: How do you spot that from the outside of the planet?
1: Well, by the auroral storms. So, I mean, hmm. here, the light show is an auroral storm. We call the, like, the visual phenomena, or an aurora, and then or auroras, phenomena is photo, maybe, I don't know. Um, and uh, so the auroral storm is what the magnetic particle storm that causes that. And so we see that sort of a similar way to the way that it, the ISS sees auroras on Earth. Um, it's a big deal because they're, never been any spotted on Uranus before we've seen them on Jupiter and Saturn and we have now just seen them on Uranus so interesting. it's also interesting as from a like scientific point of view because of uh, the odd magnetic field which is uh, uh, 60 degrees off from its spin axis and its spin axis is tilted 98 degrees to the solar system's orbital plane. So, if you can do that in your head. Trust me, nobody can do that in their head. Okay, well, the, what it means is that the particles hit the magnetic field at a different orientation. Um, so it thing, these, observing more of these phenomena could offer insight into how the magnetic field actually works and affects the atmosphere or stuff like that.
0: I didn't know that that planet had um, a strange magnetic field.
1: Well, now you do. Hmm. Interesting. The um, The
0: comments on this thread are quite fun, too.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, if anyone is uh, reading these articles or going to the links, read the comments because they are often funny. Um, so... More science news. Uh, the
0: I'm
1: losing my tabs. Oh, it's
0: very easy to so do.
1: The Lechuguilla Cave in Mexico slash New Mexico, rather. Very <laughs> um, different. Yeah. So uh, the Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico, which I have been to actually. I'm um, glad
0: you've been to the place you don't know about. <laughs> I. You know, you sure get around. Where do you? How do you do that?
1: It's New Mexico. It's in the U.S.
0: So, you <laughs> just like travel everywhere.
1: Um, yeah. So we always Car- knew
0: you had your own private jet.
1: Is a oh, I wish I had my no private jet. Um, the Carlsbad Caverns is a, a large system of caverns in New Mexico, and this Lechuguilla Cave is one of the deeper and more secluded parts. Um, and this is important because it was actually cut off from the outside world for over 4 million years. Hmm. So it evolved completely separate for 4 million years from the rest of the world. Uh, and, in fact, the path to the cave was so ridiculously tiny and circuitous that only water could make its way through the rock and it, took ten, it would take 10,000 years to reach the cave itself wow. uh, as, a, as a drop of water.
0: That's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, very impressive. Um, and uh, an entrance was only first uncovered in 1984.
0: Makes you wonder how they computed how long that would take to arrive.
1: No, I don't know. Um, yeah, so uh, this pristine ecosystem was found to contain some antibiotic-resistant bacteria, um, which is uh, interesting because uh, these bacteria have to be older than the human race by about 20, a factor of 20 times. So were are uh, whatever, however many, 100,000 years old, these bacteria have been stuck in this cave for 20 times that long. Uh, so they have discovered these Highly antibiotic-resistant bacteria, and uh, this is uh, in in the field of modern medicine. Antibiotics are becoming
0: ineffective against
1: right. some bacteria, certain strains that have developed resistances. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's especially important uh, in the context of uh, deadly viruses w- slash bacteria that could trade their resistances. So if this bacteria that is super antibiotic resistant could trade that attribute, which bacteria do do with do do, um, (laughs) a strain that was very deadly, then you would have a very dangerous combination. Right. And so that's a big deal. Um,
0: what did we have to go and do? We had to go and open the cave and let it loose.
1: Of course. Causing uh, our
0: own problems.
1: Yeah. So stuff. Um and I think our final news ish not that all of this is really news, but our final news ish thing is uh Ryan's fine. You want to explain this one?
0: Yeah. So uh you know random data. Is pretty important, and so generating random data with a computer is pretty typically difficult because it's not really random; it's pseudo random. Most algorithms, most algorithms can return some random data to some extent, and then it starts to repeat. Well, one 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 way around that is to use um, radioactive decay uh, or chaotic, chaotic behavior in circuits. Uh, those methods are usually expensive and hard to use because radioactive decay can, you know, I don't know, radiate you, and that's pretty bad. And you know, make, measure, messing with circuits with computers is also a lot of work because then you actually have to have equipment to monitor that. A cheaper way, actually, to do it is to do what some doctor whose name is unpronounceable in America, uh, he's using vacuum noise to essentially generate uh, randomness. And um, they developed a great website, actually, that allows you to do this Uh, you can actually get a a direct line into the data. So if you go to their website, which is in the show notes, you can either see live hexadecimal streams or binary or colors. And the colors one is interesting. But even the hex one, it's just a continuous stream of numbers coming from essentially some microphone somewhere that it's just just listening to the sound and computing the data from it.
1: Right. And this is is interesting from... the sort of the way it works is very interesting because it is listening to the noise in a vacuum. But when you think of a vacuum, you think of noiseless, airless. Because
0: if there's no air, sound can't travel. It's not listening to sound. It's listening to
1: what? It is listening to sound.
0: Well, it's not sound. It's not like vibrations of sound. It's
1: no, 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 it is vibrations, but it's not like air. Well, sort of, um, not really. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's listening to the sort of uh, quantum fluctuation, the quantum pop of uh, particles inside the vacuum. So it's not right. So it's not noise in the way that you normally think of it. No,
0: not at all. So that, is, th- those it, quantum it's, fluctuations it's not, are, um, you know, they're totally random. You know, uh, quantum mechanics is totally unpredictable.
1: Yes. Yeah so, yeah. so that it's not. Like there's no medium, obviously, for a sound wave to travel through. But the noise, as it's sort of like a static. Right. If you look at the TV screen, and you have a static, mm-hmm. um, static noise. And so this is particles popping into and out of existence, which is a phenomena described by quantum mechanics. And which
0: is ridiculous in itself, but okay.
1: I think we discussed this on an earlier show, maybe a little bit. Yeah. When I talked about it in my class, um, but and so there is a laser beam shooting through this vacuum and when it encounters one of these particles that's been popped, quantum popped into existence, it records that as noise, essentially. And so it's a, a, a microphone that that's the microphone, is sort of watching the quantum fluctuation of these particles in a vacuum. I
0: wonder how sensitive that laser has to be to be able to detect when something pops in and out.
1: Uh yeah, you know, I don't know. That sounds
0: like a physics problem I would have to do in my class. I'm already having nightmares. So this is a great, great, great thing to have because the radioactive method of... Like, for me, like, I know um, in Java there are allegedly secure cryptographic random source generators, but the ultimate source currently is the radioactive decay method where radioactive decay just emits particles totally randomly, um, and that's usually been the method to get random, truly random data. But this vacuum alternative is also a pretty good solution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And their website is absolutely fantastic. You really have to uh, visit it and just watch a wall of colors develop randomly.
1: It's really fun to watch the binary live stream.
0: Oh, let me uh, take a look. Mm, their website's getting slow. Oh yeah, that binary stream is fantastic. I like how, like, a whole section, a whole series just pops in every second, or less.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, what else do we have? What, what are, what's our time? We're good. Okay. Um, we've got a couple more things to talk about. like. One of them is sort of related to something we talked about earlier, Mars, space exploration, that sort of thing. Um is a video from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory about the different strategies for landing on Mars. Very nicely animated little video uh, that show, essentially just demonstrates the different possibilities for getting a lander on the surface of Mars without breaking it. Um, I suppose I could mention what the different methods are. I mean, first to get through the atmosphere, you need a heat shield. And then to not break when you hit the ground, you need the sensitive scientific instruments. You need some sort of parachute and then something to slow it down even further, which two strategies that are used now currently are airbags and uh, retro rockets. Now, the airbags are just
0: hilarious. They look like, you know, huge cotton balls. And then essentially the whole thing just bounces around until it stops.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: That that can't be good for the instruments.
1: Well, but the airbags absorb all the cushions so that it's not like they're being jarred. They're just moving. That's
0: a lot of movement, though.
1: Well, it must work. They do it. Yeah. So that's a good watch. Um, let's see. We've got something that I wanted to rant about, <laughs> which is uh, uh, another article on io9 about uh, some person commented on a article about the multiverse or the multiverse theory. And their comment was, since there are an infinite number of alternate universes, there must be one in which there isn't an infinite number of alternate universes. Perhaps this is the one. So people... Isn't
0: it like like, a complete paradox on its own?
1: Yeah, well, people are like, oh, it's a paradox, we got to figure this out. And like some, they wrote a bunch of articles. and There's an article on IO9 sensationalizing it, but it's stupid when you actually look at it. Because so there's an infinite number of alternate universes, but then if there's a universe where there aren't an infinite number of alternate universes, that's a contradiction. So your statement is a logical fallacy. Right. It doesn't make any sense. I think it's stupid. I don't know. Well, but anyways.
0: Well, I mean, I can I can see why some people would t- come to that conclusion. And it's a funny thing to come to, but I think one thing that you don't uh, apply to it is that there are actually rules that even all universes must follow in order to be a universe, if there are multiple universes. So right. I think right. I think they missed some bullet points on their list of axioms they were using to uh, determine it.
1: Well, the, the paradox was that if there's an infinite number of universes, and that would mean that every single possible universe configuration is... Present, then one of those configurations would be that there are no alternate universes. But that's that's not that would be a constraint on the set, the infinite set of universes, rather than on a single universe itself. Right. Which doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't you know. and I was, your math. So, next sort of rant is this article about how often dark matter collides with the human body. I just think it's kind of a pointless thing. I can't believe scientists are wasting their time studying this because we don't know what dark matter is. We don't know the distribution of dark matter. And so I perused the study that the article is like based on. And there are a lot of assumes in it. And the cited works also contain a lot of assumes. And one of the biggest things is the number density of a part of dark matter. And also what dark matter is, because we don't know what dark matter is. One popular, uh, possibility is weakly interacting, weakly interacting massive particles. Um, and we, we don't even know really the the local density of those in our sort of sector of the universe slash the galaxy slash the solar system. Um, and so trying to make any reasonable estimate of the number density of dark matter is ridiculous. So, the estimate
0: here is for the average person of 70 kilograms, I don't know what that's in in pounds, but the average uh, person will experience between 30, yes, that's right, 30, and 100,000 dark matter collisions per year. Yeah. I I love that range because it's like, it's either zero or just, you know, 100,000.
1: Yeah. I mean, the 100,000 still isn't really that much as far as per year. Um
0: not when you consider but, that you're made of quadrillions of particles,
1: right? And also, like cosmic radiation, also it already is doing a lot more yeah. than that. But, you probably
0: get hit with neutrinos more often.
1: Yeah, you know, I would be interesting to see where that where that number fits in. Yeah. Um. But anyways, those are, those are my two rants. I I just thought those those two articles were kind of stupid. Now speaking like, of I'm-
0: particles passing through you, a few weeks ago I was talking to somebody and I was. I remember a story, like, of NASA when the, when astronauts first went into space and they were just, you know, hovering outside the atmosphere and, you know, away from the protection of the Earth. They would occasionally, when they were sleeping, they would see these flashes of light in their eyes. And apparently it was, um, since there were more neutrinos on the outside of the planet or, you know, highly energetic particles, those flashes were some particles stimulating the redness despite, you know, the eyes being closed and totally right. not facing a window. So I thought that was an yeah. interesting thing, too.
1: Yeah, no, that... that I mean, it makes sense when you think about it as far as, like, from a physical perspective, but you wouldn't expect that no. to happen. I mean, the the atmosphere...
0: Shields most of that.
1: Right. And mm-hmm. so these cosmic rays, get, like, hitting you more often, I guess, would make that yeah. visible when you're sleeping. hmm So, time for some nerd news. Um, science fiction movie called Looper... Hopefully, some of you listening know what it is, even though Ryan didn't.
0: I um, don't watch movies all the time. And when I do, I certainly don't watch the preview beforehand.
1: It stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Which I believe
0: was in Inception, right?
1: Yes. Okay. He was Inception, 500 Days of Summer, Fifty Fifty, quite a few movies recently. Um, and and the Looper only is-
0: one anybody knows about from that list was Inception.
1: Okay. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> Looper is the science fiction movie... Um, Apparently, it's a sort of a noir uh, about people in a universe where time travel hasn't been invented 30 years in the future. And these people in present time get essentially get sent people to kill by like the future mafia. Mm-hmm. And Joseph gordon levitt is one of these people that kills the people from the future. And eventually... He gets sent his future self to kill and then lets them escape. So He lets his future self escape, and that's the plot, is stuff goes on. That's what I got from the trailer. I don't know. Um, it looks really good. Science fiction movie. Watch it.
0: Want me to, want me to play a little bit of that uh, trailer there?
1: Uh, you can just link it in the description.
0: Okay. So you're you saying you want to protect me from my uh, copyright violation, right? Yeah. Because, you know, the MPPA or whatever they're called, uh, they, uh, they want to totally MPA. take me down.
1: Oh, yeah, they will. Mm-hmm. Sure time-traveling murderers. Yeah,
0: that's right. They're going to do it. Yeah.
1: Um, And our next piece of uh, nerd news is from me about the uh, – Ryan probably isn't interested in this one as much either, but um there's a documentary coming out called I Know That Voice, which is about um voice actors and the people behind some of the most famous – voices in, like, television, slash movies, slash whatever, um, so, like, the voice behind Bugs Bunny, or, uh, Rocky and, or Bullwinkle, those, Rocky, from Rocky and Bullwinkle, um, any of those characters, uh, I'm more interested in, like, Bender and Dr. Zoidberg and the Futurama cast and the Simpsons cast and stuff like that, um, but it's got all that stuff, I just read about it now, and so I'm excited. I want to see it. Um, there's a little clip in the trailer of the doc- the voice actor for Dr. Zoidberg doing the Dr. Zoidberg voice. That's And funny. it is the weirdest thing to watch a person make those noises. Yeah. As I've seen the show. And so he's a, like a lobster man, and it's a weird. Lobster man. Um, yeah. So I think that is about it.
0: Yeah. That's good. So what are you doing uh, next week, Sam?
1: Well, anything hopefully. exciting?
0: You go into another, another country action. again or some other state?
1: Uh I am not. That's I too am. bad.
0: What an average weekend.
1: Well, not <laughs> quite. I am going to the pre release tournament for the new Magic the Gathering set.
0: Although that is actually pretty cool.
1: Because <laughs> I'm such a nerd.
0: What is um what is the uh new set called or is or about? Uh,
1: something Avison, hold on. It's uh Because in every
0: set, there's usually a gimmick.
1: There's what?
0: Well, in every set of Magic, there's usually usually some kind of overarching gimmick. Um, Some new concept introduced or some new kind of idea.
1: You mean like a theme? Mm, Gimmick. (laughs) Like a theme?
0: Mm, Gimmick.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a theme?
0: More like a gimmick. Like, in Generation 7 or 6, I think, like, Assault or something or Rampage or something was added to Magic and it, it that it was never used really again in any other subsequent set and it was just a gimmick of that particular
1: set you mean like card abilities well okay this is a very long discussion that we could have but the name of the new set is Avacyn restored No, I would I mean like not that anyone listening cares but that's my weekend in addition to volunteering at a non-profit benefit dinner thing
0: well I think I, the magic, I, magic is way more important.
1: Yes, it is, of course. Um, what about you? Got Any plans for next weekend?
0: Uh, no, I don't. But I have a computer science midterm on what is it uh, Monday, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Hmm. I'm looking at the uh, released sets of uh, magic. Do you? Uh, oh yeah. Do you st- do you still buy cards? Uh no. Good. Uh, also, have they changed the back of the cards yet?
1: What have I'm they? The have they changed problem.
0: the back of the cards? You know, like that six colored you know orb and then the magic wording in the middle.
1: Well, it's a five orbs. Whatever, in the, I don't count. Yeah, Remember, I only count extra. zero to ten. No, they have not, which is good because it's classic. Yeah,
0: uh, you couldn't. You could definitely not change that. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's not. It wasn't called Rampage or whatever I said. It was called Onslaught, and there was a gimmick in that That series, and it was from two thousand two to two thousand and three when all the onslaught cards were made, and then they just stopped and i I know I had a bunch of things from Morodin, I know I had a bunch of things from Wait,
1: so what what are the what's the gimmick that you're talking about in onslaught because onslaught is a set
0: I know, and in onslaught it also was a common um, ability of the of that set called uh... I would assume it was onslaught because I I no. saw it, but I don't know.
1: Is that there's bad. no Def- onslaught ability? Yet, there's definitely know. an onslaught. Was it more? I don't know. You know what it did? No. Okay. It's well, been, it's been a it long
0: help? time since I um played Magic. Um. Yeah, you know, I don't. I I was just looking here to see when I um like what um what what uh, package of Magic was coming out when I was playing, and I I, I can't find it. I don't know which one it was. There's, there's just so many, you know. There's like three a year, I guess, or three in each set or something.
1: Well, there's a, there's blocks. It comes out in blocks. Man, that's, that's there. complicated. There's core sets, and then there's blocks. Like, what is this,
0: Intel? Each
1: in each block, no. You, know? um, you would probably stopped playing, if you had Mirrodin cards, you'd probably stop playing when the Kamigawa, the Asian block, came out.
0: Yes, I think that is when I stopped playing, Definitely.
1: Yeah, I stopped buying cards when the Mirrodin cycle came out because I didn't like the look of the new ones because they changed. They changed how the front of the card looked for the eighth edition, Mm -hmm. and I hated it. So I stopped buying cards. Um, But I I, and I hadn't played until let's see the most recent release. I played at the opening tournament, the pre-release tournament, Mm -hmm. and then I'm playing at this one. Just. Because I live really close to the source now, and it's fun.
0: Oh, and yeah, they got a new building.
1: Yes, they did. I was actually just there to pick up my registration.
0: That's pretty cool. I remember when I actually did play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I would always mess with people because the whoever print whatever company was printing Yu-Gi-Oh! cards at the time, they did a very, very bad job at aligning the backs as well as Magic had aligned their backs. And you could tell subtle differences on the back of the cards with Yu-Gi-Oh! cards.
1: That is not good.
0: Well, I'm just saying. I, I'm a freak.
1: <sighs> yep, yeah, then you would know...
0: Oh, yeah, I knew. I knew what cards I was going to get in my hand when I picked them right. up from that deck. Not my fault they can't print. And uh, I think that's about all we have. you have anything else?
1: Well, looking at the Magic uh, Gathering page, they announced the new set that's coming out in the fall. The new block is Return to Ravnica, which is awesome. Anyways, Mm. in other news, (laughs) nothing else.
0: (laughs) Nothing else. Okay. So this, of course, is the universe, and we do this show typically on Saturdays or whenever we actually get around to doing it. And uh, we talk about science and space and magic gathering because that's what you do when you're in space. Um, And, of course, where can we find you, Sam,
1: Uh, Mr. Universe? Well, you can find me on Twitter, Sam Eberts or wordpress also sam eberts wordpress.com slash sam eberts hopefully i will blog. start blogging uh maybe you'll again, blog about your new
0: your your magic the gathering experience
1: oh yeah that, that might be a good idea
0: and it would be a magical oh. read
1: <laughs> and that's eberts with a Z, a mess. In case you not that anyone's actually going to look that up but. I,
0: I used to be confused by that but i figured it out Okay. Once you do it once, it's easy to remember, because you're the only person that ends with a Z. And of course, I am Ryan Rampersad, and you can find me all over the place on Twitter at RyanMR, you can find me on Facebook, Google+, and of course, here at the Nexus, we do shows all the time, hopefully, that's what we're going for, it doesn't actually happen, but I say it does, so it might, yeah,
1: good show. Yeah, and I think we have a parting gift for the audience.
0: Yes, what was that parting gift again?
1: <laughs> the video. <laughs>
0: Oh, we have a video. Hmm. I think I'll play that video as soon as it loads. We used to be four ordinary teenagers. Until one day, we met some new friends from out of town. They were called Dinosaurs. My friends and I became the secret scouts. Allies to these dinosaurs from outer space and joined in their battles against Genghis Rex and the evil Tyrannos. The dinosaurs are leaving, destroy Well, follow them! So, did you ever see like Captain uh, Captain Planet or something? Yeah, you know it, that. You know, like when they when the kids get the ring, you know, it reminds yeah. me a lot of Captain Planet. But then, like, I, mean, I
1: never I never watched Captain Planet, but I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, and then like the whole like you know one side versus the other side. That's all very Transformers esque which I am sure was totally out when that video
1: oh, when that when that sure. cartoon was there. I just love the names though, Dinosaurs <laughs> and. Uh, Genghis Rex, yeah, and the minion calls the boss Bossa huh I mean, seriously, <laughs> how awesome is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, good old nineties cartoons. I know,
0: and uh, you might even be before the nineties. That's so so bad. Yeah,
1: I feel like that that is nine. It could have been late eighties, I yeah, guess. Late eighties. Like, that is a nineties feel to it. Yeah, like, I guess so. I grew up watching stupid cartoons like that
0: i know i did too and and it's so bad because when you look back at it you don't feel nostalgic you just feel disappointed that's what you did
1: Uh, i think it's hilarious (laughs) i know it is
0: hilarious but you just i did that with my life darn (laughs)
1: yeah
0: well bossasaur ebert i think it's a good show have a good weekend yeah you too. yeah have a good one